Well, let's get out our Bibles today and go over to Luke chapter 14. Anybody bring a Bible today? All right. If you didn't bring a Bible today, maybe you're new to Life Church or not uh, not a Bible toter yet. Um, we hope to make you one soon to where you value the Word of God in your personal life. But listen real good and follow along best you can. Uh, I want to start with top, the top ten reasons why people don't go to church. Did you know what those are? Uh, number ten, the pastor doesn't respond to my remote control. Um, number nine, three letters is NFL. Uh, number eight, I don't have kids yet. Uh, number seven, I have kids. Uh, <laughs> number six, people that happy just give me the creeps. Um, Number five, last time I kneeled, I had a hard time getting up again. Number four, I'm a good person and want to avoid hearing otherwise. Uh, number three, I have a boat. Um, number two, when I want to feel guilty, I just call my mother. And number one, t- top reason why people don't go to church is because they've never been to Life Church. <laughs> Let's pray today. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to uh, study your word. We believe that you're at work in our lives and in our midst. We thank you for speaking to our hearts and directing uh, our steps, ordering our lives in every way. Lord, we look to you now for revelation and understanding of truth that we might walk in the freedom provided for us through Jesus. And thank you, Lord, for the impact that you have on us uh, will will resound in impact in the lives of others everywhere we go. And so we look to you to speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, Luke chapter 14, Luke 14, verse 15. Let's begin over here today. And it says, Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. One thing I can see as an over, 
overarching theme or principle from this passage of Scripture is that the Lord wants His house to be full. Another way to say that, and that's my title, is Jesus hates empty seats. Can you see that? Even to the point where He got upset. Well, I mean, the master in the parable got upset with people making lame excuses and not responding to his invitation to this thing he was putting on. And I hope that we can today catch the heart of God, understand what he's interested in, and see that he hates empty seats. Why? Because the seat is lonely? (laughs) No, but because... God, in His great love and His great mercy, has prepared a banquet, has made provision, has given opportunity for people from all over the world to come and be with Him. And it's not a matter of a lack of food or a lack of supply or of lack of resource or a lack of space. It's just that people oftentimes have made lesser things a priority over greater things. They've taken some of their interests and some of the things that they're involved with and have exalted them above the things of God. And that's not only something that they are seriously missing out on, it's something that the master isn't pleased with. Can can we see that? What, What he's communicating with us here today. And it's interesting also to see who is... Who, who carries the responsibility that there will be no empty seats? Was it the Lord? Was it, in this case, was it the master of the house? No, but he sent his servants. Do we have anyone here who serves God? Yeah. So that would, that would speak to me to let me know that it's not up to God whether the house is filled because he's given a whosoever will invitation to all. But it is up to his servants to make sure that every seat is full. And if every seat is not full, it's not because of a lack of desire on God's part or a lack of invitation or a lack of love or, like I said, a lack of supply. It is only a lack of people to go out and compel those to come. Let's look at some of the lame excuses that these people made. First of all, one of them said, I bought a piece of ground and I must go see it. Well, that's a good reason, huh? You've got to go look at your dirt. (laughs) You've got to go see your dirt. And that's why the master's invitation means nothing to you. The, The next one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. Don't you test drive the car before you buy it? Isn't that the way we would approach that? (laughs) The third person said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. I've got recommendation for anyone who's married. Come. (laughs) If you want your marriage to survive and and thrive, uh, uh, don't exclude the things of God from your relationships. Because trust me, you need it more than ever now. 
<laughs> but how many understand all these things are are just excuses? I don't know. We've probably all been guilty at some point in our life of making excuses for things. And what were we doing? We were, we were in reality just easing our own conscience. We were covering ourselves because we didn't really want to tell someone the truth. I just didn't want to go. <laughs> or I just prioritized something else higher than that. And so we came up with some kind of excuse to kind of ease our conscience, to make us um, help us save face in, in, in front of somebody else. Maybe someone has made excuses to you before and you sat back and thought, you are just lying. Why don't you just tell me what you think? Why don't you just tell me the reality? I'd rather you just, just find out that you're, you know, totally out of whack priority-wise <laughs> than to hear you make excuses about things that are obviously not the real deal. Hmm. And, and, the, and the Lord's response to these things was, was very, very interesting how, uh, how he resp- responded, or the master here, he was, he was upset. He was very angry. See, he didn't, he didn't give in to the whole excuse thing and say, ah, well, you know, I understand. I mean, people are busy these days. I mean, I mean, you just got some ground. I mean, you know, that's the blessing of God. And the Lord wants you to go be with your dirt. And, uh, you know, you just got some new oxen and someone's got to go pet them and make them feel loved and, 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 and take care of them. And the Lord brought this woman into your life. You certainly, you're, you just be excused and, and I understand. Is that the approach he had? Come on now. We, we should recognize that God, even though he is full of love and mercy and grace, there are some things that are very important to him. There are some things that he considers to be more important than you got married, than you bought some property, than you got a new car or oxen or whatever you bought. Huh? Even though those things can be a blessing from God, never, ever, ever should we get the idea that the Lord is kind of an excuse receiver. Ah, it's all right. Sometimes we... We want to get somebody else on our side. We want to get somebody else on board with us. If there's something that we want to do that we know in our heart that it's kind of a questionable thing, um, we seek to reinforce what we're doing by getting someone else to agree with us. And if I go asking someone in my life, what do you think about this? Would it, do you think it'd be all right if I did such and such, if I did this instead of this, what if I can get some people to say, yeah, I think that's all right. I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, everybody does that. Why don't you go? Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with that. Does that mean that's the same thought the Lord has toward what I'm doing? No. There's always someone that we can find to agree with our position. There's always someone we can get to support what we plan to do. That doesn't mean that the Lord has those same thoughts. And it's not, my question ought not be how many people can I get to agree with me or how many others can I get to support me, but what does the Lord think of my decision? What does the Lord think of my activity? What does He think of my response to His invitation in my life? All right. It's not uncommon for someone 
again along those same lines to to think if there's something they're tempted to do something they're 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 thinking about doing but they know on the inside this is nearly not the right decision uh, to find people who have already made that decision and cut off relationships cut off associations with those whom they know are going to tell them what they ought to do I don't know if that's too generic. If I were to relate it to, because I've seen this happen, many people have seen, I've seen this happen many times, is when someone's in a marriage that is going not too well, it's kind of rough, kind of rocky situation, and they've gotten to that point where they're considering and they're thinking about uh, cutting that thing loose and, uh, and divorcing, uh, they'll, uh, start, they'll start to associate with and get more people in their life who have been divorced or have recently divorced, whether it's friends or, or siblings or someone else, they'll get those people around them and they'll start associating with them. Why would you do that? Well, because they want a way to, they want to feel better about doing what they know they shouldn't do as far as fight for that relationship, right? Make it better. They want to get others around them so when they make the move, they'll feel okay about it. Listen, there are some things we're not really, not just that, there are some things we're not really supposed to feel okay about. Even with God's grace and mercy, I'm not supposed to feel okay about doing the wrong thing. And if I find myself getting into a position where I make this excuse and that excuse and then I cut off relationships with people who may disagree with me and I surround myself with people who compromise just so I can feel better compromising, I'm the one that pays for that in the end. You know what I'm saying? Because I have to live with me. You may support me. You may give me your thumbs up. Yeah, go for it. That's right. That's good. I think it's a good idea. But you don't go to sleep. You're not there when I put my head on my pillow. And when I wake up in the morning and every day of my life, I'm with me. Every time I pray and talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I delight to do your will. Kind of. You know what I'm saying? How you all, you're always there. Where thou goest, there thou shalt be. You know, the old <laughs> how, how we always live with ourselves and, and, and dealing with what we know is vital that we deal with it in the right way. I don't like to smile but not really be smiling. I don't like to go through the motions but know that my heart is not in it. I don't want to be an excuse maker, a cover for doing and being something different than what I know should be. Okay, but again, notice here, um, the master was angry with these people, and he told them to go out and bring some people. Here's some common excuses. Uh, again, I call them lame excuses in our day. Uh, when people responding to the Lord about being a part of his family, about being a part of the church, about being involved in the kingdom, not just saved, but involved in the kingdom, uh, but a lot of times people who are not yet born again. Number one, uh, it's my only day off. You ever heard that one? It's my only day off. Here's another one. Number, number two, I've got too much work around the house. Too much work around the house. Excuse, excuse, excuse. N number three, it's the only day to spend with my kids. It's the only day I have to spend with my kids. Can you say lame? You know, I was thinking recently about 
how when people become grandparents, they are usually all excited. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, this summer is my high school uh, reunion, 25, 25. And on the form that they, you know, you fill out to sign up, you know, it's got things about your life. You know, what are you doing, da-da-da-da. How many kids do you have? How many grandkids do you have? And uh, I look at it, I think, grandkids? <laughs> I'm not old enough to be a grandparent. And, uh, we, of course, we don't have grandkids, but many of my classmates do because they, you know, got going right away. Some before right away. <laughs> uh, um, uh, so many of, you know, many of my classmates are grandparents these days. And uh, but one thing that's very common in... Uh, when people become grandparents is uh, I hear that it's quite the joy and grandparents love to spend money on and lavish things on their grandkids and when they're you know when they're a problem they turn them back over to their parents and and so you kind of get the best of both worlds there I guess and (laughs) and people are oftentimes looking grandparents are looking at what they can do for their grandkids they want to make their lives better they want them to have it have it better off and uh, one of the things I was thinking about recently, and it doesn't really apply to those who are already grandparents, but it applies to those who are parents who will be grandparents, even though we don't oftentimes think that. But if we can have enough foresight, you know the best thing that a parent can do for their grandchildren, even though they don't have grandchildren yet, is put good things into their kids. Because whatever I put into my kids is going to end up in my grandkids. And, uh, and instead of just waiting and trying to fix everything... <laughs> as I watch my kids be a bad parent <laughs> and then try to fix their kids. <laughs> hmm. If I can look, if I can have some foresight today to look into my kids and say, what do they need? What can I put into them? And everything I'll put into them, I know is going to end up in my grandkids someday. And that's, that's a bigger blessing than I'll ever get thanked for from the grandkids someday. But it's one of the most valuable things. And so anyway, people make excuses about the kids. Here's another one, number four in my notes. uh, I woke up not feeling very well. You ever heard that one? You ever hear people tell you they're not going to come to church because they woke up not feeling very well? Do you know what I think about that? Lame. Weak. And I know I'm going to sound very hard right now, but I'm not, so I'm just sounding that way. Uh. I think I think that's a that's a pretty sad way to live, to be waking up each day checking to see how you feel. Amen. And we ought to take a little more proactive approach to life, a little more aggressive stance. I'm not waiting waking up each day to see how I feel to decide what I'm going to do. No, I'm going to wake up with purpose. I'm going to get up and decide how my day is going to go. Too many times people, they, they, they get, their lives get overrun by little sicknesses. They're always under the weather. I'm not talking about those who are dealing with major things. We can, there's definitely answers for that as well. But I'm talking about those uh, who just constantly, oh, I'm just not feeling good today. I woke up with this pain. I woke up with this hurt. I, uh, they're missing work and all this kind of stuff. Amy had a friend years ago that was kind of that way, just sick all the time. And I know some of you, you think, well, even as I'm talking like this, this sounds very uncompassionate. Uh, but I just really despise sickness. 
I despise disease. I don't think we ought to be run over by any of that kind of stuff. And, uh, but, but she had a friend who was just one of those people that just very common to just come down with stuff. Oh, I'm just not feeling good today. I've got this ache and this pain and this sickness and this cold and this whatever it is, sore this, sore that. Don't, let me, can I encourage you today? Don't live that way. I know sometimes people, they have the mindset, well, I can't control that. It's just what it is. But nonsense. (laughs) Uh, We can control that kind of stuff. We absolutely can. If you'll take a stand and just say, no, I'm not going to be that way. I'm not going to be an excuse maker. I'm not going to be a big baby uh, when it comes to how I feel about everything. I'm going to be strong. Amen. In my life, not that I'm perfect in these areas at all, I'm not, but I've been for decades, one, I just don't accept stuff. And I don't mean I've never gotten hit, but I can remember even when I was, uh, when I was going to Bible school, you know, and going to Bible school and working a part-time job in the afternoon, and, and I, you know, drove the little shuttle at the airport and stuff, and, and, uh, but I was working, one, one, I was working for a hotel, and doing the the airport runs and that kind of stuff and 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 I can remember one day I was I was hit with some stuff and I was feeling mighty low <laughs> I wasn't feeling good but there's something in me that said I'm I can't yield to that now it would have been so very easy because it was legitimate so very easy just to say you know call in sick I just have something in me that says I don't believe in calling in sick. Now, don't take condemnation on you for that. I'm not not judging people who do that. But well, some of them I am, I guess. <laughs> as far as that as a as an ongoing behavior. But I could have it a little bit of binjit. No one would have looked down on me. But for me, I said no. I'm not going to do that. I don't believe in that. I'd see the word and say no, no. I can't accept this. And so I'd go feeling like dirt (laughs) and I'd go and make it happen anyway and I've just determined to live my life that way what happened things go quickly they always do they always go quickly they are not allowed to remain I don't intend to make this a healing message or anything like that but it's an attitude where we're I got this I got that I got we were doing a missions trip years ago and uh, I had this group of people, a group of mostly teenagers, and one of them was kind of that way. And I, fo- I found that out, uh, especially on this trip. One day we, we woke up, we were getting ready to go out. We were going to be gone, you know, all day and all night, you know, till late, late, late in the night, doing ministry stuff and far away from where we were staying. And one of them, one of the guys uh, wakes up and says, you know, I, I'm not feeling very good today. I think I need to stay here. And... I'm just like, you know, it's totally ruining the, the trip, totally ruining the day, and I can't just leave him back there all alone and all this kind of stuff. And so I'm thinking, what what I've learned, he was one of those kids that was allowed growing up to miss school a lot because he didn't feel good. You know, they get a job and are always calling in sick. I, I know some of you probably want to hit me right now, but uh, honestly, this will help. It really will. But uh, just just was allowed to just be under the weather and not feeling good. And uh, 
And I was thinking about how to deal with that, and I realized that he was allowed to do that at home, and he'd get out of doing things just by not feeling good. And I just, I knew that was going to be a big problem, so I just went to him after I thought about it a little bit. I said, you know what? Resist it and get in the van. Guess what happened? He did. It's like, oh, that's a new concept. <laughs> he did, and in a short period of time, all was well. Nothing was disrupted. And I know that takes a little bit of backbone to do something like that. Honestly, we deal with our kids that way at times too. I mean, if one of my kids comes, and don't get me wrong, you think I'm hard now because I deal with this, but if something was really wrong with them, we'd get them fixed up and get them health. But if one of my kids comes to me and says, you know, oh, I can't eat, I'm not feeling very good. I say, baloney, I don't believe in not feeling very good. Eat. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't accept not feeling very good. See, what happens? They eat and it's fine. And they learn to stop talking like that. Don't give, don't give me an excuse. I don't feel very, yeah, <laughs> feel very good. It's like allergies. Remember, some of you, you talk about allergies. Oh, I'm allergic to this. I don't believe in allergic. And I'm just saying this. I encourage you to adopt this. Stop believing in allergic. Stop believing in allergies. Huh? Are you? I'm allergic to this. Why do you? Why would someone even say that? <laughs> praise the lord <laughs> and so anyway just talking about common excuses and that's a little rabbit trail for you uh i woke up not feeling very well i stayed up too late and overslept C- can you see me in the back when i roll my eyes because that's it's that's one of the ways i communicate when a message like this uh <laughs> And number six, this is this happens sometimes in our circles. I just decided to stay home and watch Pastor Mark on TV. <laughs> An invitation to come and be a part to fill a seat. I just stayed home. Well, that's the light version. That's delayed. It was actually, you know, they're not live. Anybody know they're not live? <laughs> it's an outreach. And if you're already in. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me share a couple more things with you today. Talking about excuses, but we're talking about this. Jesus hates empty seats. He wants his house full. And we are getting ready to build a bigger house. So there can be what? More empty seats? (laughs) No, because every life counts. Every person matters. And the Lord has called us to fill the seats. He has called you. He has called me to fill the seats. And so, uh, one thing we can see here from what Jesus told us. Now think back to Luke 14. He said, he told the servants, go out and get the poor, get the maimed, get the lame, get the blind. Why those people? Well, I know this. Those people know they've got problems. Whereas maybe the person who just bought the land, the person who just got married, the person who just got some 
got a new ride, oxen, new tractor, whatever, they're obviously, things are working for them naturally. They've got some natural things. And so many times people in that situation will not recognize their need for God. And in all of our abundance and prosperity that comes from Him, let us not be deceived in making that the very source or the sustenance of our lives. So he said, go after those who know they got a problem. Go after those who know they have need. Fill my house with them. Even though the invitation is for whosoever will. And this, this principle is recounted here in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. For you, know your, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which... Uh, And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. I tell you what, when a person gets too busy for God, they're too busy. And you notice that the Lord didn't say that we should all go out and pray those people in. Now, we pray for the lost all the time. We're instruct. That's a, it's a godly biblical thing to do. But he didn't say, "You guys go out now and pray those people in, so my house will be filled." What did he say? He said, "You go out and get those guys and bring them in here, that my house might, might be filled." Do you know that's a difference? It's one thing to pray; it's another thing to get out there and cause this house. To be filled. You know, another thing he said, and I'm, I'm referencing back to our text again in, in uh, Luke 14. He said that we should, he said to his servants, go quickly. Uh, verse 23, he said, compel them to come in. I want you to think about that word for a moment. He said to compel them. This was not just a passive invitation, this was not just something where we should go out and suggest. And maybe you might want to come sometime if you're not too busy or if you don't mind. He said, compel them. This shows us that our approach to filling God's house needs to be an aggressive one. We are out to persuade people. We are out to compel them to come in. I've seen individuals who get creative with that. And I've seen people offer money. <laughs> I'm not telling you to do that. I actually have not done that. But I've seen people pay others to come to church. You come to church, I'll give you 10 bucks. <laughs> or whatever. But you know, I'm not saying that's the method. I'm not saying that's what you should do. But I value that person's heart. That says, I'm going to do whatever I can to get those sinner butts into these pews. You know what I'm talking? To get people in the house where they can receive from the Lord, no matter what it takes. They're willing to go the extra mile. They're willing to compel, to urge people to come and be a part of what God is saying and doing. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.14 says the love of Christ compels us. 
there's something in us that compels us to do these things. And there's and that same compulsion in us is what we are to use in winning others and getting God's house filled. Notice also this, that the servants were told to go out quickly. Just as in this parable, uh, there was a meal coming, there was a banquet, and there's a time coming, it's time to eat. The dinner bell's ringing, time to eat. How many know likewise in the kingdom of God, times are of the essence? There is a time coming when just like Noah's ark, that door is going to close and nobody else is getting in. Whether that time is the return of the Lord in a very short period or whether that time is the departure of an individual life where they leave their physical body, the time is of the essence. He said, don't wait. I'm, I'm paraphrase. Don't go out and pray about this for a couple weeks. Don't put this off for another six months. Don't wait for other external events to come together. Go out quickly. Go out there and compel them to come in. The time is short and there is a day coming when it will absolutely be too late. And we must heed this prompting of the Lord, this direction of the Lord in this regard ask yourself the question today what can you do to fill seats what is it that you can do as an individual to fill seats it's not something we're going to do it's something you're going to do it's something I'm going to do it's something you're going to do it's not something we're going to do but if we're all doing it how many know we are doing it <laughs> but this is the Lord's plan not that he would go out but his servants would go out. If someone serves God, then they have his interests in mind. Well, I got land. I, got, I just got married. Man, I just got a new car. I just got some oxen. I just got this or that. I've got this excuse, excuse, excuse. Ex it's just a bunch of baloney that covers us for not valuing what God is doing. Is everybody still like me today? Is this okay? All right. I won't be shaking hands today. <laughs> Unless I have ushers on both sides of me. But what can you do to fill the seats? Jesus hates them, do you? Hmm. That's a, that's a question there, isn't it? Jesus hates them, do you? But sometimes people are waiting for things. You waiting for someone to prophesy to you? Yea, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> you waiting for God to move in a special way? See, I'm not real a big fan of always talking about what God's going to do in someday. Someday God's going to do it. Not that I don't believe that God is going to do some, some things someday. I'm just alive today. Here I am now. Here's, here's a seat that's available for a lost person now. Not just about all what God's going to do. What are we waiting for? Until we're less busy? Well, I'm just busy. <laughs> so, welcome to life. Until we have more money? Waiting for more money? You know, kind of like the 
the person who's going to tithe once they get their bills paid off? No, you're not. Not a chance. Wait until the kids are older. Again, we know that in the world that there are a lot of people who are going to make excuses to God's invitation. Let's not be a part of that in our lives personally where I make excuse for not heeding and valuing the voice of God and His direction. But also this. This is interesting to me. They went out. They got the invitation. People made excuses, everything under the sun, why they couldn't come. And the Lord said, fine, go get somebody else. I'm not going to, if, if people are going to continue to make excuse, I'm not going to just say, I'm not going to hold their seat. Let's put it that way. No, I'm going to go out and get somebody else because God wants his house full. God wants his house filled because Jesus gave his life not for a select few, but for every single person. Come on now. Everybody with me today? Amen. Amen. He's called us to do something. This is a privilege. This is an honor. We value what he's doing above everything else in life. I've got some things going, personally, some natural things I like to do. They all come second. All come second. When the Lord invites, when the Lord's putting on a party, when there's a banquet thrown by the Lord, everything else gets set aside. Schedules get rearranged. Plans get changed. Are you listening? We need to be, when we're walking with the Lord, very flexible in what we want. Willing to change at any time. I remember a few years back, we were having a special uh, meeting. And uh, uh, we had a guest speaker coming in. And I, I forget the amount of, maybe just a few day meeting. And I, I was emphasizing to, to uh, all of the church, saying how I, I want everybody to be there. And I remember, and I, I know sometimes people would just, honestly, some people blow that off. But whatever, I'm not Jesus. <laughs> I mean, they just blow it off like it doesn't matter and important. But I, I can remember at times where people would come to me, and it surprised me. Maybe it shouldn't, but in a good way, where people had come to me and said, "Oh, yeah, we were planning this trip, but you said you wanted everyone to be there, so we changed it." I thought, that's a heart that God can move through. That's a life that God can touch. We had a meeting. God put it on our heart to do a special event. And they made everything else second to it. I thought, get ready to get, to get moved by, on by the Lord. You are valuing his things. You are not a, an excuse maker. You're someone who rises up and says, the kingdom of God is first and foremost in all I do. Amen? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, for every life and every person today, I thank you. I thank you for your mercy for your love, for your grace. I thank you for what you're doing in this place. In every heart, in every life, you're doing a special work. And we purpose today to value, to make important those things that you are doing above everything else. We want to be about our Father's business more than anything else we've got going in life thank you for your help today 
Father, I pray for every lost person in this place, every lost person, that even right now, your love and mercy come to them that they might see and know the truth.